We keep talking about training versus marksmanship skills. Well, here's somebody who knows all about training from the grandfather, the Harvard of gunfighting schools. Welcome to Tom Gresham's Gun Talk, high-caliber talk radio. All right, welcome again to Gun Talk, 866-TALK-GUNS, or just dial 1-866-825-5486. That'll get you in here. We're having some fun today talking about, well, let's see, different kinds of self-defense guns, self-defense ammo, and we're going to be talking about self-defense training in just a second with somebody who really knows what he's talking about, unlike me. Uh, my name is Tom Gresham, by the way, if you've just <laughs> wandered in. And the show is, in fact, called Gun Talk. We have some folks who have called in with some questions. Let me get to a couple of those before we bring our guest in here. Let's see, line three is up. John is in Oregon. Hello, John. Welcome to Gun Talk. Well, thank you, Tom. Uh, you've been on for 15 years because you help people like me with advice for one reason. Well, we sure I- try. Well, my grandson is graduating from high school. Mm-hmm. He's gotten into bird hunting, so I'm not a self-defense guy today. It's for hunting. That's all right. My first reaction was to give him my little 410 pump so he could have some trading stock and go get what he wants. Uh-huh. And I quizzed him, and he's interested in a Benelli Auto. Okay. 20 camo. All right. And I listened to you today, and it sounds like there's some modern options that... Uh, that I need help with, too. Well, let me back up. Uh, does he have some experience shooting? Is he uh, already a hunter? Oh, yeah. he's uh, All the kids have gone through gun classes, and okay. we're out here. He chucker hunts over in eastern Oregon. Oh, okay. So he's an experienced hunter already. Yeah. So at that point, with that in mind, then he knows what he wants. He said he wants a 20-gauge semi-auto Benelli, right? Yep. Okay. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to approach this from two different angles. One is from the gun angle, and one is from the grandpapa angle, okay? Uh-huh. From the gun angle, I'm going to say a 20-gauge is a really good bird hunting gun, and a 20-gauge autoloader is a really good gun, and a Benelli is a very good semi-auto gun. Now, having said all that, there are a lot of options out there. You should not think of any of those. This is from the grandpapa standpoint. He has said what he wants. Anything else is a disappointment. I didn't realize that. <laughs> the only, you, you have only one course of action here. You know that, don't you? <laughs> I well, I just wanted to make sure I was thinking in the right direction because you sound like you might be old enough to be in my grandpa age bracket too. So. Yeah, I just became a grandpa six weeks ago. So there you go. Well, thanks uh, for the help, grandpa. Uh, and keep. And another 15 years for us, okay? I sure appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, by all means, if somebody says, I want this gun in this finish, in this caliber, or in this gauge, and you're the grandpa or the dad or the husband, and that person actually does know what he or she wants, it would be probably a mistake to not give them what they're asking for. Let me quickly bring Joe in here off of uh, line two before we get to our guest in Kansas City, Missouri. Hello, Joe. Thanks, Tom, for taking my call. I uh, I goofed up when I talked to your screener. If this gun is a three hundred Savage, okay, you've got a three. Now, what what kind of gun is? What brand gun is it? It's a it's a Remington, and it's a it's an old gun. It's a pump, and I used to do deer hunting years ago and used a thirty thirty. 
Right. And I don't have a thirty thirty anymore, and I purchased this gun, and I was told it'd make an excellent deer gun. Well, you were told right. The three hundred Savage is really a very good deer gun. Uh, which Remington is that? Is that the model one forty one? I'm not sure. I know it's it's an old gun. It's it's pretty old. It's it's a pump. Does the it's got a tubular magazine? Does the tube have like a spiral look, like indentations that spiral on the tube itself? On the, yes. uh, it does. Yes. That's probably the uh, Remington Model 141. Very nice pump uh, rifle, and the 300 Savage is really just a. It's a 30 caliber cartridge that's only slightly less powerful than a 308, but an absolutely fine deer cartridge out to. Oh, I would call it 250 yards would be a good, reasonable distance for that. You know, honestly, it'll do the job out to 350 if you can do your part. But, um, you know, think of it as a 250 to 300-yard gun, and anything inside of that, it'll do it. And, by the way, you can find ammo for a 300 Savage without a problem. What, uh, what kind of scope would you recommend putting on that gun? I, I have a real prejudice about scopes. I for hunting I like low powered variable scopes. Something in the one and a half to four or two to five range, and I keep it on the low power when I'm hunting. And then if I get a long shot, there's usually well, if you get a long shot, you are gonna have time because if the animal is running at long range, you have no business shooting at it. So if you have a long shot, you have time to turn it up to the high power. Otherwise, keep it on one and a half or two power, and that way if something jumps up 15 yards from you, you can, in fact, make a shot with a low-powered scope like that. So I would look for a one and a half to four or two to five, something in that range. What uh, what kind of ammo would you recommend for, for deer on that? Uh, you know, just uh, poke around, see what's out there. Uh, all, anything that's loaded for deer you're going to have good ammo. There's a lot of it available. So, I mean, I'm not going to try to narrow it down to uh, which brand now. Uh, but, you know, just do some shopping. You're going to find what you need. It's, it's going to work just fine. Uh, probably 150-grain bullet, something in that range is right where you need to be. Let me do this. I'm just like, good luck with that. I appreciate it. That's a That's a lovely old rifle you have there. Let me bring in our guest. Uh, Ed Head is the uh, manager of operations. I believe that's the current title, Ed, at Gunsight. I never know here. Let's see. Shooting instructor, range master, 30 years in law enforcement, uh, firearms instructor for, what, 25 years. There's not a lot with guns you haven't done, my friend. Well, I don't know about that, Tom, but, uh, yeah, I'm the operations <laughs> manager at Gunsight these days, and uh, a pleasure talking to you today. Well, and, and not only that, but you also, you and I have done a, a whole bunch of TV together. In fact, we were out there two weeks ago doing some more of that. We were, and, you know, that's, that's always a lot of fun. I really, really enjoy that, and uh, I, I think we've been on TV together two or three times the last week or so. We have, and I, I just got to tell you, we looked at some of the uh, video we shot out there, and you are to be congratulated because you have given us some of the best outtakes we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I said don't show that one. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. well, every time you say that, you know it's going to show up. <laughs> no, you, you take care of me, Tom, and I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, fun stuff here, I'll tell you. Um, by the way, you're, I know that you're not just a self-defense guy. You're also a hunter. I didn't know if you had anything to wade in on when uh, 300 Savage or any of that. No. I, you know, I've never used one of those. I really don't know much about them. Okay, and, yeah. uh, uh, I don't do much hunting anymore. Uh, I, I used to do quite a bit of bird hunting and mm-hmm. uh, varmint hunting in particular. 
But uh, 25 years in the Border Patrol kind of took the hunt out of me. And, uh, yeah, you spent uh, enough time I, in the field, didn't you? Yeah, I think so. So, uh, and, and actually, I'm so busy at gunsight now, I, I hardly have any time. But, but you and I need to go to South America and go bird hunting one day. I, I want to do that. Oh, yes. Well, business must be good. There are a lot of people in the last, I would say, two years is what I've been seeing, a real conversion in the public of thinking, okay, I get it, I need training, and I want to get the good stuff. Are you guys seeing that? You know, we are, and I think that's also indicative of the gun sales uh, that have been going on. Sure. People are obviously interested in self-defense guns. Uh, Mike Golden at Smith and Wesson was telling me he's selling or building and selling 750 J frame revolvers a day. Now Holy that must cow. mean a lot of people want a pocket pistol. That's pretty phenomenal. It is. It is. And, and so we're, of course, seeing some of that relating to people, uh, wanting to get training as well. I wish more people would realize they need the training just because you may know a little bit about shooting or have been uh, been exposed to it in, in some uh, in some way, perhaps, say, in the military, doesn't necessarily mean you're uh, tuned up with what you need to know about defensive shooting. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Because, you know, it's that old deal, if you don't know what you don't know, and if you've never had training, you don't really understand what it, what it is or what it can do for you. I mean, we, we talk about that a good bit around here. So, you know, I tell you what, let's do this. We'll hold that. When we come back, let's talk about why do you need training Even if you're a good shot, even if you've been shooting all your life, my point to you is simply this. You have no idea what you're missing out on. When we come back, we'll be talking with Ed Head from Gunsight. Check it out, gunsight.com. 866-TALK-GUNS is our number here on Gun Talk. I'm Tom Gresham. Imagine. A pistol that can easily adapt to fit any hand size. A pistol you can quickly take down for maintenance without any tools. Now imagine this pistol has all the out-of-the-box accuracy and reliability of a Sig Sauer. Stop imagining and start shooting the new P250 from Sig Sauer. The P250 gives you the flexibility to change caliber, grip size, slide length, and trigger at will. It's the one gun that changes everything. Learn more at SigSauer.com. That's S-I-G-S-A-U-E-R.com. What's the must-have addition to your AR-15? It's the new modular vertical foregrip from Crimson Trace. It's a light, it's a laser, it's a foregrip. And of course, the light and laser activate by simply gripping the foregrip. There's three modes for both laser and light for customization. To see more, go to CrimsonTrace.com. That's CrimsonTrace.com. I've always been possessed to catch big ones. They make my heart beat faster. Sometimes what makes it exciting is just how powerful and how tireless a big fish is. But what I really like the best is seeing a great big fish in shallow water before you even throw your lure to it. Make versus country your country. Don't miss the best anglers and biggest fish beginning every Friday night at 8 Eastern. Hunt for Big Fish with Larry Dahlberg on Versus. There is no good reason for a hunting rifle to weigh 8 pounds or more, but they do. The new Kimber Model 84L in 270 win and 30-06 weighs just over 6 pounds. The Model 84L's action is the secret. It's scaled to minimal dimensions for the cartridge it chambers, and it even comes with a match-grade barrel for unequaled accuracy. 
The Model 84L is proudly made in America in the Kimber factory to ensure quality. If it's accurate and light, it must be a Kimber. Visit KimberAmerica.com. All right, we're back with you, 866-TALK-GUNS. Before we get back into talking with our guest, I have to correct something. And I appreciate Harrison from Anchorage, Alaska calling in. And, yeah, you're right, Harrison, about my answer on the Remington 141. Actually, uh, our caller had originally said it was a 30 Remington. So I had all the information ready to go on the Remington 141. Then he switched to the – said, oh, actually, it's in a 300 Savage. And I just stayed locked up on the Remington 141. Yes, you're right. The Remington 141 was never chambered for the 300 Savage. I don't think it would handle the pressure. Uh, the 141 was chambered for cartridges like the uh, 35 Remington and the 30 Remington. But more than likely, if you have a pump rifle chambered for a Remington pump rifle chambered for the 300 Savage, that's probably a Remington 760 is my guess. And Harrison, thanks for that correction, getting that information out just as quickly as we can. Uh, it's okay to make mistakes as long as you figure it out and correct it as quickly as you can. At least that's my excuse, and I'm going to stay with that one. We're visiting with Ed Head from Gunsight uh, on the Internet, gunsight.com. Uh, Ed, we were talking about the whole idea of people say, well, I've been shooting all my life. I know how to shoot. I'm a champion trap shooter. I shoot pistols. I shoot rifles. I'm a good shot. And you hear that a lot. I'm a good shot. I know how to handle guns. Why would I need to take a multi-day course on self-defense shooting? What do you tell them? Well, you know, I I, I suppose I could uh, say we can bring you up to this level or that, or we can show you things you've never seen before, but I like to turn it around and put it this way and say, if Army Special Forces, Navy SEALs, uh, all kinds of police officers come to us for training. Why are they doing that? And the reason they're doing that is people say, well, gee, don't they get the best training? Well, I'd like to tell you they do, but they don't. <laughs> they come to us to hone their skills, to get the best training, to learn doctrinally how to be able to do these things and teach their people. And anybody, even if you've been handling guns for a long time, if you're going to learn defensive shooting, you need to learn things like being very quick, very accurate, to move and shoot, to shoot and move to do things like uh, the live fire tactical simulators we have at Gunsight that are Mm -hmm. not available almost anywhere else and certainly almost entirely unavailable in the civilian world. Describe what you mean when you say a live fire tactical simulator. Mm -hmm. We have uh, indoor and outdoor simulators. An outdoor simulator, the way we do it at Gunsight anyway, might be a desert wash that curves through the landscape, and we have steel knockdown silhouette targets concealed within that wash. You have to move in a way that uh, presents the greatest distance from the threat, allows you to see them before they have a chance to see you, and then be, and then be able to shoot uh, accurately and, and deal with those threat targets. We do the same thing in an indoor shoot house, and this is like negotiating a, a building or a home, and you've got to learn to do things like handle doors, hallways, corners, windows, all of those kinds of things, and then we turn around and we start doing this kind of stuff at night. And if you've never done that, trying to handle a firearm mm-hmm. and a flashlight at the same time, that's mm-hmm. that's kicking it up a whole other level. Which is the most likely scenario. Sure, and that's what people are going to find themselves in, and, and it's often what they've never trained for. You know, we were just out there. We were doing some work with uh, the little uh, Ruger LCPs and the Smith J-Frames and the LCR, little 38 Specials. We were going through the house at night with a flashlight, 
with guns that are not easy to reload. And you're trying to reload these things in the dark. You know, and what do you do? You put the flashlight in your mouth. And what I figured out, Ed, was, and you had told me this, the way I finally did the last one, where you, you go in, you don't know how many threats there are. You're just going into the building. You're going to find what you find. As I carried three guns. And <laughs> the, the fastest reload is to grab the next gun. Well, and I say that all the time, especially with these little guns. If mm-hmm. you're going to carry a little gun, carry at least two. Uh, you're not going to get them reloaded quickly. Uh, they run out of ammunition fairly quickly. For example, a you know five-shot revolver. Yeah. And so the quickest reload is another gun. So if you're going to carry a little bitty gun, you better carry at least two. And you know the other thing we found out was we were shooting the uh, 380s out there and the 38 specials into ballistic gelatin. The new ammo changes these things. This the 380 ammo now is pretty impressive. You know it really is. I, I'm uh, I'm particularly impressed with this Hornady critical defense ammo. Yes. Uh, and it, and that's exactly what we see over and over uh, is the 38 special, the nine millimeter, and the 380 are producing almost identical uh, penetration and expansion. You ought to say that again because there are people who just glossed over and didn't hear what you just said because that was my eye opener. That was my epiphany two weeks ago out there. Say what you just said one more time. Okay, one more time with emphasis. Um, in good premium defensive ammo such as the Hornady Critical Defense, in 380, 38 Special, and 9mm, our testing is showing we're getting almost identical penetration and expansion of those projectiles. They're almost identical. So in terms of terminal effectiveness, there isn't a lot of difference. Yeah, in terms of, uh, now the rest of the part, the shootability, the... uh uh, capacity of the magazine, all that. Obviously, there are differences, but when it comes to what happens once the bullet leaves the muzzle, there's essentially no difference between a 380, a 38 special, or a 9 millimeter. If you have the good, modern, latest defensive ammo, that's what we're seeing. And yes, uh, you know, you can get uh, exceptions to the rule, but with most of the really good defensive ammunition being made the, these days, they're actually trying to produce it to the same. Um, the same performance standards. Well, I, I was certainly impressed when we were shooting the 380 and the 38 Special, and we're getting essentially the same penetration and ballistic gelatin. And I would have, I would have lost a hundred bucks if you'd have said, "I'll put a hundred bucks on it that these things are going to do basically the same thing." I would have been so much poorer as a result. And just once again, what you know changes because they keep bringing out new stuff, new guns, new ammo. Uh, and you guys, with your training, have to address that. You have to stay up on what's going on. We do. As a matter of fact, uh, just this week we did a, a two-day class we do on the little pocket pistols. We have a special class just for these little guns, like the little snub-nosed guns, the little mm-hmm. uh, 380s, and so forth. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something that we've added recently because of the uh, the new demand for these guns. And what's fueling the demand for these little small guns, especially the 380, is the improved ammo because... Ten years ago, Tom, you and I would not have been talking about recommending a 380 as huh. defensive round. Not a chance. Not a chance. I got. You know, I know you you like defensive shotguns. I got a question for you call, calling in here. Uh, Chuck is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on line four. Hey, Chuck, you're on the air with Ed Head from Gunsight. Howdy. How you doing? Good. How are you? What's your question, Chuck? Okay, I just recently, my wife has handled a 410 shotgun before. And I was looking for a good defensive weapon for her at home, and she's the one that suggested getting a little pump 410, which I did. In Pennsylvania, and I'm not sure if it's everywhere, the 
shotguns come plugged to three rounds only, two in the two in the uh, in the tube and one in the one in the uh, in, in the barrel itself. Would it be advisable or legal to take that plug out to get maximum amount of rounds in that shotgun? You know, I believe as far as shooting it in your home is concerned, there's no concern with that at all or using it for defense. Yeah, not I at believe all. they normally put those plugs in there because it's to satisfy hunting regulations. Exactly. When you're hunting migratory birds, you're required to have no more than three rounds in the gun, so they set uh, it up that way. But you, you definitely can take the plug out for self-defense use. Okay, that's what I wanted to know. I, 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 I'm not a hunter, or at least I haven't been for a long time, and mm-hmm. so I'd uh, forgotten what the deal was. I knew that, it, well, I could tell when I got the gun that I could only put three rounds in it. So mm-hmm. it will be okay then to go ahead and take that out. And what should that increase me by, about two rounds then? Yeah, whatever it'll fit in there. <laughs> just keep, yeah, I don't know. It'll probably be <laughs> just four keep putting them in until they won't go anymore. Hey, <laughs> that's it. You yeah. just keep shoving them in. Now, let me before you go, Chuck, let me throw this thought out. Uh, most people who get a shotgun for home defense and I, I, forgive me for saying it this way, most people don't have any idea. They don't have a clue how to use it, how to apply a shotgun to a self-defense situation. Ed, am I overstating this? No, you're not. You really aren't. And uh, that would even bring up things like the choice of ammunition and uh, you know how we should really be using these guns. Well, and, and frankly, and I know you've already done it, Chuck, but I would... If you had asked me, I would have said, absolutely, do not buy a 410 shotgun for home defense. It just, I, I think, uh, but having said that, you already got this. Uh, Ed, don't you have a uh, defensive shotgun DVD? We do. We've got uh, a training uh, DVD on uh, shotgun. Uh, you can call Gunsight and uh, speak to Susan over in the pro shop. She'd be happy to send that to you. And, you know, I, I agree with Tom that the 410 is not really optimal for um, uh, defense. Although, here's another thing that ammunition is kind of driving uh, the way we think about these. It's changing things. It is. They are. And uh, Hornady, again, has come up with some ammunition because of these uh, 410 pistols like the uh, Taurus Judge. And and we're going to have... pretty decent uh, buckshot. Yep, they do. Let me... uh, Ed, listen, i got to scoot. Let me let you run. I appreciate you spending time with us as always. Always good to have you here, my friend. Time, Tom, and we'll see you soon. All right, take care. Gunsight, G-U-N-S-I-T-E, G-U-N-S-I-T-E dot com, and you can get their DVDs. I highly recommend them. 866-TALK-GUN. You're listening to Tom Gresham's Gun Talk. Made possible by shooters like you. All right, welcome back to Gun Talk. Tom Gresham here. Our number is 866-825-5486. Or just I one, Tom Talk Guns. Something I forgot to mention when Ed Head from Gunsight was on the, the show or just a few minutes ago. Gunsight, G-U-N-S-I-T-E dot com. Buzz Mills is the uh, the owner of Gunsight, and much to my surprise, because I really thought he was smarter than this. No, actually, I'm making fun. He's a very smart man. Buzz has decided to run for governor of the state of Arizona. Buzz has never held an elective office, which, frankly, speaks well for him. He's a very successful businessman. He is a former United States Marine he owns and runs the premier 
shooting, training, gunfighting facility in the country. And it's a place where, as Ed said, Navy SEALs, special forces people come, law enforcement, Susie Homemaker, uh, you know, everybody comes. They train good people. Now, you, you can't just come in there if you're a criminal. They do background checks. You have to have a concealed carry permit or a letter from your chief of police or sheriff before you can attend. My point here is if you are an Arizona citizen, I would encourage you to take a real hard look as at Buzz Mills since he's running for governor of Arizona. I, if I were there, I would not only support him, I would be out there campaigning for him. Uh, I know Buzz. know he'd be a good one. Boy, wouldn't it be great to have a governor who runs a shooting school, knows about guns, knows about gun rights, knows about liberty, knows about freedom. That'd be that'd be outstanding. It'd be what that would be. That'd be out outstanding. Uh, let's see. Oh, I got to take this one. Bill, line four, Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Bill, help me out. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Great. Hey, I just wanted to call in uh, your previous caller. I believe his name was Chuck. He was asking about shotgun capacity here in the fine Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Yes. Just wanted to let him know there are absolutely no restrictions. He could get an extended tube for his 410. He could take that plug out. There's no problems with him maximizing the capacity of his little 410. Okay, excellent. That's what I was thinking, because the restriction, the three-shot restriction is from the feds when you're hunting migratory waterfowl, that they they regulate that. But, you know, even in a lot of states, uh, if you're hunting, for instance, quail or something, you could have the plug out for that because they're not migratory, but you got to check your regulations. But for just plinking, shooting clay targets, or for self-defense, I don't know of a state that has a restriction on magazine capacity in your shotgun. So that's excellent, Bill. I appreciate that. Speaking of 410s, just as we went to break there, Ed Head from Gunsight mentioned that while he and I would not normally recommend the 410 for self-defense, once again, the better ammo has changed things for us. We have companies making really good self-defense 410 ammo. In fact, I'll tell you what, in just about 30 minutes, we're going to have the president of Winchester Fire, or Winchester Ammunition on here talking about specifically that, their 410 ammo. It's very cool, very interesting, innovative stuff. Going to be some interesting things going on. So, um, you know, stay tuned for that one. Let me run up here. I think we still have Derek on line two is with us. Hey, Derek, you there? Yes, sir, I'm here. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I appreciate you holding on. Not a problem. Uh, I got 500 rounds of Hornaday 223 55-grain lacquer-coated ammo. And after I got this ammunition, they told me, or a couple buddies of mine that shoot with me, told me, don't put it through my Bushmaster because it can ruin the bore of the the rifle Mm -hmm. due to the lacquer melting off. Is, is, Is it something I need to shoot in my rifle or not? Uh, I would. Uh, here's the question. Have, have your buddies shot this stuff? Where do they get the information? You know, well, I, you know I'm just, I'm, I'm trying not, I'm trying to be kind about this thing. What, basically, do they know what they're talking about and how do you know? Well, I went to work and I was talking to another, um, person that I work with and they told me don't put it through your gun because of the lacquer coming off, getting in the bore clogs up your bore and it can uh, keep the round the casing from extracting uh, out of the receiver. 
And so I went on the internet, did some research, and all of a sudden, when I googled this thing, all the all the uh, uh, warnings popped up from all these manufacturers about lacquer coated ammunition. And it's on a steel casing now. And I already okay, know. Oh, okay, so that's that. Case. All right, so you got Hornady ammo on steel cases. That's right. It's it's uh, lacquer coated. I was not aware that Hornady was loading steel case ammo. Well, I wasn't either until you know I bought the saw the box and bought it. Huh. Okay. You know but what? I mean, it was it was 130 bucks for 500. I really didn't want to turn it down. Right. I understand. Tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to see if we can get some calls in here for more information about this. I was frankly not aware that Hornady was selling. Uh, Lacquer-coated steel ammo for 223. I want to get a few more voices on this. There are going to be some people that have some thoughts on it. Can you keep listening? We'll see if we can get you some, some information. We'll okay. do that. All right, we'll do that. So if you got some information on shooting steel case lacquer-coated ammo in your AR-15, give me a holler, and we'll see if we can, uh, you know, sort it out for you. Let's see, line four, Jonathan's in Shreveport, Louisiana. Hello, Jonathan. Hey, how you doing? Great. Uh, I just heard a commercial on your show there about a new model Kimber rifle available in like uh, the 270, and they said it's a lighter mm-hmm. uh, rifle. Right. And I, I missed the model number, first of all. And secondly, uh, I'm looking at getting my son a first-time uh, hunting rifle, and I was looking at that 270, and I was wondering, with it being a lighter rifle, is there going to be... A lot more recoil. I was wondering if anybody has shot it. How well? This is you don't have to shoot it. It's just lighter makes for more recoil. How, how old is your son? He's twelve. A lightweight two seventy. I like the idea of lightweight. I would probably get him a, a lightweight gun in a different caliber though to read because, because twelve is kind of that borderline. If he was fifteen, sixteen, I wouldn't be worried about it. Twelve. I want something that's yeah. going to recoil less. I would, I would get a 243. Yeah, and you know, I borrowed a couple of the 243s, and you know, we're pretty thick wooded here, and it's just hard to. If you don't make that, you know, great shot, I was, I was trying to go to a larger caliber, but I might have to stay with that 243. Let, let me let me tell you something. I don't care what you shoot. If you hit a twig or a limb, it won't go straight. Right. Period. Right. A 243 shoots flat. It allows you to shoot through holes in the brush with a good scope. You can find an opening. You can slip that bullet through. There's nothing you can shoot from your shoulder that's going to bust through brush. And, you know, and people say, oh, I want something that'll get through all that brush. It doesn't happen. It just, it's not going to happen. So he would be better off all the way around going with a 243 with 100 grain bullets. Uh, good out to 300 yards, not a problem. And then, yes, absolutely get him a lightweight rifle because then it's something he can carry and shoot. And he's not having to lean way back and, frankly, it's just too heavy for him. So that's where I would go. I would go with the lightweight Kimber, if you want the Kimber, in 243. 866-TALK-GUNS. This is Gun Talk. What are the experts saying about excess sights? Things like, absolutely the fastest combat sight available for your gun. And, the fastest self-defense sights I know of. Things like, new shooters as well as veterans alike use them with great success in our classes. I highly recommend them on a defensive pistol. 
Excess sites are used by the DEA, U.S. Navy SEALs, and others. Go to ExcessSites.com to see the video of this amazing sighting system in action. That's ExcessSites.com. Lots of people are interested in handgun shooting, but they don't know how to get started. First Shots is a new program designed by the National Shooting Sports Foundation to do just that. But NSSF needs your help. Right now, many newcomers are looking for seminars, but there just aren't enough. So if you're an active shooter, a range owner, or a firearms instructor, log on to FirstShots.org and get involved by hosting a First Shots seminar. At FirstShots.org, you'll find everything you need to get started. You want the newest rifle innovations, and that's what the Smith & Wesson iBolt rifle delivers. From the match-grade barrel to the one-piece weaver scope mount, this gun defines the next generation of rifles. Your iBolt rifle includes patented features such as the easy-turn bolt release, true set trigger so you can set it the way you want it, recoil reduction chamber, X-bed stock design, its stronger, lighter, and flush sling mounts. Get the details on the iBolt rifle from Smith & Wesson. Visit smith-wesson.com. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget CrossbreedHolsters.com. All right, back with you, 866-TALK-GUNS, 866-TALK-GUNS. Line 2, Barry's with us out of Oklahoma. Hello, Barry, you're on Gun Talk. Hey, Tom, uh, I've got a Model 12 Winchester shotgun with a uh, six-digit serial number with my grandfather's, mm -hmm. and uh, it's got a poly choke on the end of it, and I was thinking about turning that shotgun into a personal protection weapon and mm -hmm. cutting that poly choke off, and I wondered uh, the barrel uh, had been damaged, uh, to the point where um, it had been stuck full of mud, and uh, uh, when the when the gun was fired, why it mushroomed the end of the barrel, so that's why it was cut off and the and the choke put okay, on. Okay, so it. that's why they put the poly choke on it in the first place. Right. Okay. But I wondered, uh, uh, is that going to damage the value of that gun, considering the barrel's pretty much shot anyway? Well, I go say you got a big old honking wart on the end of the barrel in right. the form of a poly choke. I say that with love, okay, because I've got a 20 gauge model 12, uh, model 12 and 20 gauge with a poly choke on it. That was my mother's shotgun. Got uh -huh. to chop the barrel off to 12 inches. It's just delightful, and that's where I grew up shooting. But it's still a big old ugly wart on the end of the barrel. Now, here's the question for you. Uh, first of all, no, you're not going to damage the value of the gun. It's, you know, I don't think. Um, how long is the barrel to the poly choke, which is you know, how long is the barrel going to be after you cut it off? Probably about 27 inches. Oh, okay. So you got a lot to work with there. Right. How far, how, where do you want to cut it down to? You want it down to, you know, you know, 18 inches? Is that where yeah, you're going? That's what I was thinking about. Okay. I would, you know, just to hedge your bets, uh, two things. One, I would cut it to 19 inches. And do you know how to measure uh, to make sure you're cutting it off to a legal length? No. Is it from the uh, from the end of the breech? 
It is, and you need to be dropping a dowel down the uh, ah. barrel and let it, you know, touch the breech because that's how they're going to measure that thing. And for those who don't understand where we're going with this, is if you cut it shorter than 18 inches, now you have violated federal law if you don't have the uh, – yeah, good point. Yeah, make sure the gun's unloaded when you uh, do this because, of course, then you get a different measurement with the uh, – not to mention the fact that your hand's in front of the muzzle. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a good idea. I know. I, it's, a, it's a great old shotgun. It's, a, it's, a, it's got a six-digit serial number on it. When you shake that gun, when, it, when, the, when the magazine's closed – it, mm-hmm. The only thing that makes a sound is the plug in it. I mean, it is really a tight old shotgun. And, uh, uh, are you uh, familiar with the folks at Simmons? They kind of specialize in Model 12s. No. Uh, Simmons Gun Repair and Sales. They're in Olathe, Kansas. Uh, Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-S, SimmonsGuns.com. And they have all sorts of information. Before you take a saw to this thing, if I were you, I would give the guys at Simmons a call. Talk to them because they have barrels, they have different things, but you could just kind of talk to them about Model 12s. They really know the Model 12 shotgun real well. Okay. And, you know, it may be that it doesn't matter. Um, once you cut that barrel down like that, now you have a seriously ugly gun. You do understand that. Sure. It would be, see, my inclination would be trying to find a different barrel. Keep that one and maybe cut it off to 27 inches and have somebody put a screw choke in it. Okay. Now you got a really nice barrel and still you have a nicely balanced gun for shooting. Is it 12 gauge? Yeah. Uh, that still works. And you could swap the barrel out, put your short barrel on it for self-defense use. So, okay. but before you take a saw to it, uh, I would sure talk to the folks at Simmons. They're kind of the 12 gauge folks. All right. Okay, I'll do that. Okay, I wish you luck with it. That's a that's a nice old gun. I like Model Twelves. All right, let's see. Uh, line three, Les is with us out of Louisiana. Hello, Les, you're up. Hi. By the way, it's snowing in Saline, Louisiana. Which is one weird deal. <laughs> it, it was snowing right here in Natchitoches, Louisiana, this morning. I'm thinking, you know, that's yeah. just wrong. It's just still you know, this global warming is getting me. I'm so cold, yeah. I can't even stand it anymore. <laughs> What's up? Uh, just uh, I thought a couple of hints for the gentleman who had the uh, survival rifle. Is it a, a, a Model Seven or a oh, that a, was a, AR Seven? The AR Seven, you're right. Yeah, well, uh, a lot of times if you clean the chamber real well, use uh, lighter fluid or or better is the spray spray cleaners that mm-hmm. uh, are used for. Uh, uh, clean it out, clean the chamber real well, right. and try different kind, different brands of ammunition. Just Absolutely. buy a box of every brand. Sometimes the cheap stuff works real well. Yeah, twenty two is very ammo sensitive. You're right. And, and a semi-automatic's real sensitive with the chamber. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's an excellent point. Clean the chamber out. Use a solvent, and if you can get a chamber brush, even better. Clean that out, and then, as you say, go buy one box of. Ten different types of ammo. Take it out to the range, shoot that. Uh, very many times you'll find one brand, and it may be the cheapest stuff. It may not be the match stuff that shoots really well in that gun. When you find it, then go back to the store and buy like five bricks of that ammo, a lifetime supply, and put it away, and you're good to go. Excellent point, Les. I, I appreciate that. Good info on accurizing your 22. 866 Talk Guns. This is Gun Talk.
right back with you here. Let's see. Scott writes in from Oregon, sends me an email. As a private pilot who flies over remote terrain, I wanted to keep a pistol in my emergency supplies kit. I could not find anything in the FARs regarding this. FARs is the Federal Aviation Regulations. A pistol could be a very handy thing for hunting small game or protection from larger animals should the need arise. As long as it's locked in the case, it should be good to go. Uh, said, thought I'd check on it. Yes, you're okay, Scott. There's nothing in the federal aviation regulations when you're flying a small plane. Perfectly legal to have a firearm with you. I would encourage you to think uh, broader than that because while a gun does have specific uses and can be handy, a much more important piece of equipment would be Doug Ritter's pocket survival pack. Cost 29 bucks. Available at aeromedics.com. A-E-R-O-M-E-D-I-X. Aeromedics.com. I keep one in my pocket when I'm flying my plane. If you don't have at least one good reflector or signal mirror, you need to have that in your pocket. Uh, obviously, a locator beacon is an important thing. A PLB, personal locator beacon, also available from Aeromedics. Good people there. Dr. Brent Blue runs that. Good friend of mine. Um, if you want any more information on Real-world survival, not survivalist, but real-world survival stuff. Go to this website, equipped.org, E-Q-U-I-P-P-E-D dot O-R-G. That's Doug Ritter's website. Excellent information there. Really good stuff. Line two, Sean's with us out of Pensacola, Florida. Hello, Sean. Help me out. Okay, Tom. I'm going to try and talk fast, okay? Go go for it. You know, this guy with his Bushmaster and Hornady lacquered to steal ammo, okay? Mm -hmm. I've never heard such fallacious nonsense. And you know what? A lot of people, okay, don't understand the origins of lacquered steel cases, which goes back to the Germans during the Second World War. Due to material shortages, they needed to come up with, like, an alternate for brass, okay? Uh, specifically for their fully automatic weapons, MG-34s, MG-42s, FG-42s, and submachine guns of various types, okay, so that there was going to be no ruptured cases or broken heads on extraction, okay? The lacquer will burn off on the combustion, okay, due to the heat. It's going to be just like any of the other gunpowder, okay, and, you know, that's the story on it. So now I think he's about a lacquer on the outside of the case, right? Correct. Okay, so you're saying that burns off? It's no problem. Well, the heat of the powder and all, yeah. Okay. Burns it right off. All right, that's that's what I'm asking. Trying to get some input from folks out there. I appreciate it, Sean. Let's see. Uh, line four. Paul's with us out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hello, Paul. Uh, yes. Hi. Uh, thank you for your show, by the way. Good. Hey, I, I just um, recently purchased a uh, CMMG AR-15. Uh, I have a Colt already, but okay. this CMMG uh, has a coating in the barrel called a WASP coating. It's a proprietary coating. I called them to get some information about it, mm-hmm. and I think they said the acronym stands for Weapons Armament Surface Protectant. It's actually, they have a can of PAM, Kitchen Spray Protectant, and they spray it on the inside of the barrel. No, I'm making this up. Oh, Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I was a little spooked because uh, I couldn't find any information on it, and uh-huh. um, they assured me that it's actually more durable than... The chrome line barrels, it's not mil-spec, they said, though, because it's too expensive for the military, but it's much more durable. I was wondering if you could help me out. don't know anything about it. I know that there are various opinions on chrome line barrels versus not. Uh, chrome line, of course, the basic thing you get with that is you don't get rust. Uh, one could say, don't let your gun rust. How about cleaning it and putting an oil patch through it 
so you don't have a problem. As far as other treatments inside, I don't know. You know, I, I admit I tend to be a little old school about a lot of this stuff. I think, you know, if you don't want to rust, then take care of it. Uh, or you could just coat it with all that stuff. A lot of this stuff is designed for the military where they don't have a chance to take care of their guns. And, you know, they just have to go out in the field and use them. Those of us who go out and shoot and come in at the end of the day, we can clean them and we can take care of them. Hey, coming up, we're going to be talking about ammunition, the latest and greatest, what's going on and what it means to you.